Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey, yeah, yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. All right, welcome into another edition of Judd's Hockey Show. It's Zolgad, it's Declan Goff, and uh, we have the special treat of being in Edina today at Tavern 23 with our friend Lou N- Nanny. Louie, how are you doing today? Pretty well, thank you very much. And nice nice restaurant you got here, by the way. Say, thanks for coming. Yeah, it is. We're very proud of it. The food's terrific, and people are very, very... Uh, complimentary about it, so we're, we're thrilled. All right, so um, you, of course, called the Wild Games, what, in Tampa, in Carolina, and Florida. The last time that we talked about a month ago or so, this was a struggling hockey team that obviously w- was not playing well, and, Lou, at that time we talked about uh, the potential directions that they m- might go. H- how much has your opinion and thoughts on this team changed now in, in the past month as things have seemingly started to turn around a bit for them? Well, it's changed to the fact w- where I don't think... Uh, right now that they're going to be among the bottom teams in the league. I think they're going to have a battle, but they can make the playoffs with one of the things that's very important is staying healthy, of course, but also playing the same way that they're playing. They've been extremely entertaining. They're working hard. And most of all, they're playing the way they have to play. They're playing below the docks. They can't get into running gun games up and down the ice like they did with Carolina. That just shows you, you know, their weakness. But their strengths are the way they can pressure the puck and the way they can support one another. And if they do that, it should be a, a tight, exciting season all the way through. Louis, how much is the goaltending improved and, and how much is the defense improved? Are, are both those, do they go hand in hand or, or is it Stalock and Kokkinen just kind of stabilizing things? How much has the defense of this team kind of improved over this 11-game stretch? I don't think the defense itself has improved because I think they play well all the time. The wild, their strength is their defense. Uh, but the goaltending has improved. They're getting much better goaltending over this stretch than they had earlier because they weren't giving up any weak goals. Uh, there were, you know, in the Tampa game, but they bounced back from that. And and there might have been one or two in the Carolina game, but that game was gone. But overall, their their goaltenders are making big saves at the right time. They're playing uh, with a lot of confidence, and they're giving the people playing with them confidence. And there's an excellent feeling around the hockey club. Having the opportunity to spend a week with them, I could just sense the kind of camaraderie that they got going, the belief in one another that they got going. And really, uh, right now, when you look at it, they're a very confident group, much more than I saw earlier in the year. I think that's a big uh, reason why they're, they're playing so well. What changed there? Just the success of things, systems? Yeah. What, what do you think has changed? I think uh, two things. I think they, they, they listened to... To the style of game they had to play and really bought in and did it. But I think what you see is uh, that's the style, Judd. But the other thing is uh, 
they they won some games where they had to come from behind. And they got the good goaltending uh, to stay in games and win games. And then they start believing one another that if they do this, they're going to win. And then it seems like the, the, the atmosphere around the team, they're happy for one another. They're excited about yeah. the way they're playing. And, and there's all of a sudden, I know I, I felt that when, when we play well, you never think you're going to lose. When you play bad, you never think you're going to win. And they got that feeling that right now that there's a great deal of belief in this hockey club in one another. And I think that's the key point. Right now, they think that there's nobody to fear in the league, that they can beat anybody. If they play the way that they're supposed to play, that they're going to win the game. How good can Staylock be? Because it seems to me if he gets an opportunity, I'm not trying to imply he's great, but I think he's solid. And, and, I, and, and by the way, at times, his ability to play the puck might drive some crazy, but I think it's a definite attribute to have sort of that third defenseman who can get the puck up uh, quickly. There's no question in this day and age, if a goaltender can handle the puck and relieve the pressure, and that's what he does so well, you know what it does? It frustrates the opposition because they throw it in. They want to come in and pressure you and yep. have turnovers. He gets to the puck before the, even a defenseman get to it, and the puck you're going in and the puck's going out. So that's a big asset that he he's always done that very well. He, he's got to be just a little careful because the more he does it, the more willing he is to try something. And you do know that he's going to try to get an empty net goal, the first chance he gets. Because Cat couldn't almost got it. He almost did it. Yeah, yeah and that would have that that drove Stella crazy because he wants to get one. But <laughs> but I, I really believe that uh, he's feeling good about himself and the team's feeling good about him. And, and you know, if you ever talk to him, uh, if, if he thinks he should have had a goal, he'll tell you. He, he takes it upon himself. Uh, he, he's not afraid to admit a mistake. He, he wants to be tough. He wants to be good in the nets. And he's willing to say, I, I got to do that better. I got to do this better. Guys love that. They, they love the fact that he's aware of what's got to improve. And he's acknowledging that he should have done something better. And he does it better. They love playing with him. And you can't help but like it. The, the guy uh, is a great team member, a great guy to be around, and I think that's a, a good effect for them. Well, with Devin Dubnik away with his family right now, dealing with a, a very serious issue and away from the ice, uh, and obviously best wishes to him and what's, what's going on over there. But at the same time, Capo Kakinen gets an opportunity here. How, how big is that for the Wild to see if you might have your goaltender of the future uh, going forward? Well, I think that's really big, and I, I, I want to see more of him if he can continue to do what he's done. And then one of the real surprising things was he let in two goals and they looked like they could get blown out. And then he shut them right down in Florida. And, and all of a sudden you're saying, my goodness, you know, th- this, uh, this looks like he was going to get blown out of the building, but he's got the presence of mind and awareness that he's got to do things a little differently, and he does it. And he, and he just seems like he's a strong-willed guy in the nets, and he played extremely well. The thing I like about him, only having seen him, as you just said, Lou, a couple times, too, is he appears unflappable. Yeah. He'll give up a really bad goal, and, you know, you, you've seen some guys, that's their night there. Or they're up a goal, and he tries to score a goal, which is gutsy and might drive a coach crazy at times. But I like that. I like that. Um, it, it's not that he doesn't care, but he's willing to take chances, and it doesn't feel like he's mentally burdened if things don't go right. Well, that's right. And, you know, when he does that, in his mind, he's not really taking chances. He's making the play that he thinks is the right play. Yes. So that 
that is really interesting to see with him because he is young, he's a rookie, and yet he's got the presence of mind to think I could do this or I should do this, and and he doesn't look at it as as this is something that I'm taking a chance, but I'm going to take it. No, he thinks this is the right play, and I'm going to make it. And so this kid, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we're going to see him tonight in the Nets, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watch him play because not only did he play well, he played smart, and and he reacted very well from the first two goals he laid on the short side up high, and I think he knew he made a mistake, and after that, he, he covered that area. What what to you, uh, outside of goaltending, was the most pleasant surprise that, that you saw on the games that you uh uh, uh, saw on that trip as far as just the team's play? Two things. One, the continued good ability of Erickson Eck, Greenway, and Cunnan to check. And Eck is, Eck is a, a young Miko Koivu defensively. He's not going to score like wow. Miko, but this kid is a terrific, terrific defensive player. And, and, and I don't care who they were playing against, they gave them problems. Nobody wants to play against that line. That's interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that was really pleasing to me is the way that Stahl, Zuccarello, and Zucker are meshing. They were a threat for the whole trip. They they had so much confidence with the puck and the plays they were making. And, and even though they had a lot of success and scored some goals, they're still upset that they didn't get more because they know they had those kind of chances. Even talking to Zucker, he's like, i got to be aware of Zuccarello. He says... He passed that puck so hard, I wasn't ready. I, I had two point-blank goals. He sent one right off my stick. And that's what Zuccarello does. And I, I've watched this guy closely for the last three years because my grandson was up with the Rangers. And it's surprising how such a small guy can dictate who's coming up with the puck along the boards in the corners and then make plays after that. This guy has got a great feel and presence, and and the one thing you can do that a lot of people can't do, you know, if, if you're watching the game, you see it so many times it gets frustrating, and especially in power plays, people try and force pucks through players, they try and cross ice pass through traffic, and inevitably many times they lose the puck gets thrown down. This guy looks it away, so you don't know what's coming there, but more than that, it's coming at such a velocity they they can intercept the pass. And that's the difference, and that's why Zucker was getting open. So just a hard step. pass, for instance? Really hard. It's not a little hard. It's really hard. Interesting. He, Zucker said he passed the puck harder than anybody's ever seen hmm. pass him the puck. And they're always passed like that. So it gets through traffic. Like, take a guy like Granlin. When Granlin was here, for instance, yeah. Granlin would pass through traffic, but they'd be like little dump plays and over, over the stick and then, you know, land. It might bounce. Zuccarello's come with like a rocket down low, and right across. And so you, you've got to be ready. And the good part is the opposition is not ready most of the time. Sure. So the puck gets through, so you're going to get a chance. And Zuccarello was obviously the kind of the prize acquisition of this offseason. He signed a no-movement clause. People yeah. were a little confused on the contract. But at least so far in these last 12 games, I mean, he was the player we saw in New York for so many years, and he's been so in, so crucial to the power play and, and the offensive driven of this team. Do you think he that... This signing was the right signing for them to make, and, and, is, and how, how important is he to the core of this team right now? Well, there was no question he's a good sign, signing player to have. The only question was the length of the contract, yeah. and that's how it was going to be there because as people get older, they're going to get slower and things are going to change. 
Now, personally, I would have signed him for three years and paid him more money for three than sign him for five and pay him less. Because there's no question, for three years, this guy can really play. And, and he, he does more little things than probably anybody around on, on the forward lines you see there. And he, he used a real long stick. He's, he's surprisingly real good at stealing pucks, especially along the boards and in the corners. And his body position is always terrific because he not only gets himself positioned to get the puck, he possessions his, his body to get away from the checker or away from the guy he's battling with the puck. And so when you do that, now all of a sudden you got them in an outnumbered situation because one guy's caught back at the boards or two. So you can make a play, and that's what he's capable of doing. So his stick is longer, right? Yeah, yeah. And did, didn't it's, you explain that his stick at one time was not legal in, in the National Hockey League, and now it is? Yeah, I, I, I would say his length might have not been legal in the old days. Okay. Because in, in, in the old days, I, I can't recall. I think it might have been 46 inches, 48 inches. And that's all you could use. And the funny part about it was, we got guys five foot five using that size stick, <laughs> and then we had guys six foot five had to use that kind of stick. Then they finally accepted that the rules committee. Hey, this is unfair. The guy's a bigger guy. He needs a little more stick here, like Bobby so, Smith. Exactly. Like yeah, Bobby Smith. Because for a long time, that stick would have been illegal. But so his might even be the regular size stick that we had when he's, he's short. So you can't tell. Right. I mean, with longer. But for a player with that height, you look at the stick, it's a longer stick than normally would be used. So he does use an, uh, a longer stick than the average guy, or like his size. Back to the Eck line, Louis. What makes Eck so difficult to play against? And seemingly now, and this is a great thing, if you're the Wild, guys hate him. But I don't see him, I don't, you know... Back in the day, you had you pests and cheap shot guys, and you'd be like, I know why that this guy, uh, why opponents can't stand him. Eck doesn't seem to be doing, if you watch the game, things that would anger guys, but there's no question he does, and it's very effective. Well, first of all, he's very smart. He's very smart defensively. He's got a great idea about how to check a guy and how to play him. And... To me, it seems like he plays inside guys. He gets in tight. He gets in close. That frustrates you. You know, you'd like to be checked from two feet away, maybe. I'm watching this guy. Yeah. But it seems like he's about two inches away. He's always got his body leaning out on you. He gets in, inside your hands. He gets down low. Sure. And that probably gets frustrating. But he has got great balance and excellent strength on his stick when he's battling down low for the puck. And his positioning is, is just terrific. I think that's why... He, when you look at that, that line, they, they take the right positions in the defensive zone. And that's why they, they can go check top lines. Because they seem to, they always have their body between the net and the puck or the puck carrier. They always are on the right side of the puck, especially Yak. He's always seemingly on the right side of the puck. And that way you, you, you have no free look at or lane to the net. And if you're shooting, a lot of times you've got to shoot through him. So he's, uh, his positioning, his head, are his biggest strengths. With that, too, how big is it having that pest on the team? A guy that can really agitate and get under people's skin. I feel like the Wild have lacked that for, for a few years. So having a player like that on the roster, what does it mean when you're, trying to, you're in opposition, you're trying to get things going, and you have a guy like Eck who's pestering you all night? Well, you know where it really helps when you're in tied games 
or the team is trailing your team by a goal and you're trying to get something going and this extra frustration just mounts up. And so that that just, you know, it's another thing that can put the opposition off guard and, and off stride. And so uh, he's, he's a guy that I know Boudreaux does not mind playing against anybody. In fact, when, when we were down uh, and, and we were in Florida, I said, who do you want to get against Bakra, Bakra, Barkov, uh, Huberto? Uh, who do you want to get against that line? He says, Eck. And, yeah. and, and he started Eck. And it surprised me because then Quinville started Barkov. And I think Quinville was thinking they're doing this because they didn't want Barkov to play against Koivu. Well, the fact is, Bruce wanted Koivu to play against someone else because they do have scoring ability with Parisi in that line of Fiala. So he got the matchup he wanted. And obviously, Quinville must felt okay about it because he had the last change. And Quinville's very good at, at getting who he wants against somebody else when he's got last change. Um, Ryan Donato question for you sir because this is the one thing and look bruce has done a great job and i think bruce is a great coach but this whole thing of him playing sometimes more and then not not playing which i sort of get i don't like but what's driving me crazy now is and i and i know bruce is trying to win games so that there's a balance here but donato being moved to center at times is driving me nuts because I want this kid to play the wing and be left alone and I want I want this to be a time when you can find out who is this kid exactly because I don't think he's a bad player I don't know for sure but I don't think he's bad would you prefer that he just gets put on the third or or fourth line and just gets left there though because you know he plays he goes to the pivot then he struggles a bit then it seems like he doesn't play as much because of his struggles there and I just would really like to have him left on the wing and find out well, if you look at it, uh, he was playing on the wing and yep. it would have been left out. But you had the injury to Koivu. Now, you get the injury to Koivu and who are his wings? Fiala and Parisi, two really good uh, productive wings that can score goals. So, you try Rask there and you have to remember, uh, Rask, he might play hard, but he's not quick. So, Fiala is not going to be in sync with him because Fiala is so fast. Now, Donato, which you don't realize, Donato's whole life has been a centerman. He played center from when I watched him in, in the USA teams. He played center in Harvard. Yep. He played center when he came up with the Bruins the first time. He played center with the national team, all that. So it's not a foreign position to him. Now, that doesn't mean that he's an accomplished center. He's got to learn how to check in that part. But you get into a game like they got in Carolina, and all of a sudden... Uh, the game's going up and down, and, and the Wilds not playing the style they want to play. But more than that, you got Parisi, Fiala, and Rass against a couple of their speedsters. Yeah. So I thought it was a really smart move on Bruce's part. He took Rask out to put him back in the checking line, and he put Donato, who's got speed. He can really speed uh, skate. He's got speed, and he's also got a shot to try and get the second line some offensive uh, chances. And, and they did do some thing, good things offensively. Now, will he continue to do that? Probably not, because um, I would think when Koiva comes back, that line's going to go back to the situation. Donato will go back to the wing. 
But the the choices he had that night during the game, I get that. That it, was the right choice. It was just a tough uh, yeah. role to, to be yeah. asked to play in. And if I'm not mistaken, they tried Donato at center in training camp and decided to bail, which is fine. I, I just would like to see they him. They didn't try him in training camp. No. Oh, I th- I th- oh at the they beginning did. they did. Yeah, in training because, camp and then yeah, moved because, him back to wing. Yeah, because Bruce talked to his dad. He didn't, Bruce didn't realize he played center all his life. Okay. And he didn't want to be putting cut on at the wing. And, and I was happy he didn't put cut on the wing. I don't want to break up. The line of Erickson X. I do agree with that. Greenway. Right. We're all on board with that. And yeah. so, you know, now you got to fill the hole. What are your options? You had Rask, Hartman, and Donato. Well, there's no question who's the fastest yeah. of the three, and and who's got the shot. So, you take a you take a that look. Carolina at that Carolina team though is a tough matchup because oh, they're so yeah, fast. Yeah, well. And they played that game. To your point. Yeah. The, the Wild started to play that Carolina game, yeah. and they're not fun. in a position to win that game. Right after, right after the five on three, they started playing the Carolina game. Yeah, it's over, and they were they they had to revert back, which they didn't. But the one thing about that you saw in the game was actually Donato didn't play bad after with, with Parisi and and, uh, and Fiala. I mean, Fiala, if anything, turned three pucks over to, inside the blue line. Yep, and and other guys turned over beside Kevin. Kevin's been coming along, been playing better. He's made some uh, really big strides, I think, offensively. But every now and then, he's got to be more diligent on what he does with the puck, especially in his own zone. To me, that's where his weakness is, his own zone. Mm-hmm. He's got to be thinking before that puck comes, what are my options, and, and start with the best option and, and, and make certain you don't turn him over there. And, and I thought, uh, you know, they had a couple chances. They could have got some goals, those three guys. So... I wasn't upset about that move during the game because he had to do something. I thought that was the best option. I know in going to that Carolina game, injuries forced Victor Rask up into that top six to start the game. Yeah. But you know, before that, he actually, I thought, for the last couple of weeks was playing very well in a fourth-line role. I know We know his salary cap hit. We know that that's a lot of money. But do you think a fourth-line role is just suited for him and he should just probably be put in that lane to be successful? Yeah, because it's skating. In, in this day and age, if you can't skate, basically you can't can't play one of those top lines. You, you're going to have a real tough time. You got to you got to be extremely gifted in another way of either seeing the net, putting it in the net, or or making a play somehow. But uh, his best option, he's played well in that fourth line, and he's given them a little offensive flair because he can do things with the puck, and the guys in the fourth line aren't as quick as. The guys they had in the second line, like Fiala, for instance, and, and and so, you know, it's not a bad it's not a bad place for him. Rask is a a very good player, Louis, circa nineteen eighty seven or so, yeah. right? Because he's got some he's he's got those he's got the skills. Yeah, you got But you're right. Skill. He just it's skating. Yeah, and I don't think you can I don't think you can take his current speed, his current age, and up it a lot. No, you can't. It's not I like mean, he's a kid who can no, go to power no, skating. No, even going to power skating. Let's face it, you power skating, you might get a hair quick or something. Yeah. I think but, they tried that actually too. Yeah, but in you, the summer. You, you know, you're you either you either got those fast twitch muscles, you either have speed or you don't. You know, I mean, you can you can improve it a little bit. You're not going to all of a sudden go from uh, an average skater at best to one of the fastest guys in the team. It doesn't work that way, or you'd have. Six hundred guys. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, like that. yeah. Is um, Matt Dumba's lack of points, Lou? In, in your mind, is that a concern? Because I like this kid, and I think he's going to be very good. 
But is his lack of points a concern at this point or a product of, of him trying to play a more responsible game? Or what do you see? Well, I, I, I personally feel that uh, he's got to put more shots on than that. He's missing the net a lot, and he's passing up some shots. Uh, this kid has got a lot of ability, uh, and he can skate, he's tough, he can compete, and his shot is as good as anybody's. And I think he's got to remember that he's got that shot. And many times, uh, he's got to get himself in a little better position to shoot off the pass rather than have a pass and have to take a look whether they're going to shoot or not. Because everybody in the league knows how he can shoot. So he's getting less time. Well, everybody in the league knows Ovechkin shoots, and they give him less time. So what do you do? You get yourself in position <laughs> to shoot, and you shoot when the puck comes. I'll tell you what he does. He sets up on the power play yeah. in that circle and one-times him. Yeah, but he does. But they still watch him. They know where he is. Yeah. So he's not going to be checked in a way that he, he can't be available. He makes himself available. That's what Dumb has to do. Now, he's got to do it at a higher position. I mean, out toward the blue line. But he's a little lower. But match it almost. Try and, you know, practice after practice at getting shots across the blue line on the net cross on the net. So if he doesn't have to wait and he can get that puck through because everybody wants it, they're going to block his shot. They know how dangerous it is. So it's that split second getting the puck away a little quicker and on the net that's make all the difference in the world. How much, too, is that maybe that pectoral injury he suffered to maybe nothing. lacking nothing? Nothing. He's, he's good and ready to go. No, you just watch him shoot. Yeah. Yeah, he can still shoot. in the preseason, you saw, I mean, I, yeah. there was a couple no, moments in the preseason no, I think you saw right. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're collapsing on him. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. sense. Why, why wouldn't you? You know what right. I mean? And, and so you know that everybody's going to try and get a way to block the shot. So you've got to get it away before they get in position because they can't move as fast as a puck coming across. That's the one thing he's got going for him. If the pass comes fast on his stick in his wheelhouse, he can get rid of it before somebody can react to block it. Spurgeon being out for two weeks hurts this team how much? Because obviously that's a pretty major loss for them. How many games they got? <laughs> <laughs> It's a major loss for Three-game homestand. Hey, yeah. they're finally home for a yeah, while. Yeah, right. The NHL finally gave them some home games. Amazing. But, no, that, that, that's, a, that's a big difference. You know, when you, you take away your best puck-moving defenseman, you're equally a good, if not the best, offensive defenseman. And we all know how good it's, a, it's actually surprising how good defensively he is. So you take a guy like out there, you can't replace him. If you could replace him, that guy would have been there at the beginning of the oh, year. Oh, yeah, that guy. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't you know, you, you just can't do it. So uh, it's it's huge. Everybody's got to pick up the slack like you say, but you, know, you, might get, you might get through a couple games, two, three games, and everybody picks up the slack. But you're kidding yourself if you think that everybody's gonna, you're going to play just as good without Spurgeon as you are with him if you haven't added anybody along his lines of ability to play. That means you've had a drop in ability in that lineup. And everybody got to play harder, maybe play a little better, and that's how you get by. But to try and get by for two weeks, they're going to suffer a little bit. Brendan Minnell, the uh, young kid they called up the Woodbury product, he has a pretty cool story, obviously, with the professional tryout, and he's been playing very well in the AHL. I don't know if you've interacted with him or met him at all, but what can Wild fans hopefully expect? And you can't replace Spurgeon, obviously, but how can he maybe be successful here in a short little call-up? Well, he's, I would say he's going to have to play like a Brad Hunt. Right. Brad moves the puck. Brad can shoot the puck. And Brad 
really is. He's got some offensive capabilities to give him the chance to score, and that's that's what Manel's going to bring to the game. He, you know, to expect him, he's about the same size as Spurgeon, just a hair taller maybe. So you, you can't expect him to be as good defensively because he's just learning the game. And Spurgeon is a gifted guy that knows body position, and and it's tough to replace there. But this kid maybe can add a little puck-moving ability back in defense. And uh, I just don't know when they add him in who's coming out. Because the guy's in there right now, you know, he'll probably take out Sealer because Susie might have definitely had the best game ever in Tampa. And he's, had, and he's getting like better Susie and better every time. Absolutely. He's playing with a lot of confidence. And you're certainly not going to move Sutter, Dumba, Brodine, who's out of this world. And and uh, Brad Hunt. Susie's got some moves too. O- offensively, I love when he comes in, and he I, I think was, and it's not surprisingly, Louis, he was probably hesitant to do that early on in this season. But really, that trip you saw him pinch in a few times. He's got some offensive skills. He's playing with a lot of confidence right now. He feels that uh, right now he, he, he's he's playing loose and free. He's not encumbered by, what if I do this? What if I do that? Exactly. What if I make that mistake? And so he has done a marvelous job back there. And, and you know, on top of that, he's moved up and he's playing with, with Dumba right now. I mean, with uh, Brodine right now. And when you're playing with Brodine, you've got to have a lot of confidence because Brodine defensively, is, he's a marvel. The way he can skate, the way he you know, does things, uh, this guy is amazing. This might sound weird, Lou, but where um, among the uh, defensemen that you've covered or watched, where does Brodeen fall? Because, you know, he's not flashy. And you can sort of get watch a game and not come away talking about Brodeen. But to me, the stability he often brings is is irreplaceable because I'm also hard-pressed to think about the times I've seen him flat-out screw up. He doesn't really, I don't think. Where, where did... Where does Skate- he fall as far as underrated defensemen go? Well, skating-wise, there's nobody that I can think of uh, in this wild organization since they've been here can skate any better than Brodine or as good. The guy's a marvel the way he can skate. And uh, trust me, I know some teams would love to have him just because they can't handle some of the like, somebody like McDavid. Brodine's the only type of, he's the type of guy that can skate and position himself and do well. Uh, this guy, right now, if you would say, uh, who's the most valuable piece that's tradable, it'd probably be Brodine. Everybody, I, I know some teams would pay a lot for him. This guy can really play. And as you said, Judd, he's so underrated and underappreciated he's, because he's smooth, he's not flashy, and he's not, he's not a... Real threat offensively. He, he should be better than he is right. offensively for the skills that he's got to make up his ability. And that's skating, puck handling, and shooting. He should be better offensively. But everybody needs a guy like this to play defense, uh, to play against top people, to move pucks out of the zone, and create stuff. Th- this guy is, right now, he's, uh, I'd say he's the most valuable training piece that they would have. Um, all right, explain this if you can, but we re- referred to it earlier in this uh, podcast. And I, I read a story at ESPN.com the past couple days, it came out that the Wild actually, the league went to the team and said, 
we're going to have you play basically constantly on the road for the first two plus months or so, or three months. Um, how does that happen? Because this schedule has been, and, I, and I'm not saying that, that it's the fault for the team's record, but I am saying that I, I would guess in your day, if the league had come to you uh, with, with this schedule for the North Stars and said, yeah, you're not going to be home basically until late December, you would have objected. I, I would have never taken it. Yeah, so how does this... Well, it happens because you were in the midst of um, uh, making a change in general managers. So the one manager's going out while the schedule's getting completed and put together. Okay. And a new guy's coming in be, and it's basically said before he ever gets his feet on the ground working. And, and you have to... Let me put it this way. As a general manager in an organization, you have to work in concert to giving them dates where they can do this. And, and the Wild have a little bit of a conundrum because their building is so good for concerts that everybody wants to play there. So, and now some of these concerts are getting a year out in advance. So what you have to do as an organization, you've got to work with your building people and with the ownership to say, look, I need, you got 41 home games, I need... 55 nights, 55 nights that I can go and say, we're locked in here. You can't book a concert till they're freed up. And then you give them a situation where they can't do this because they only, see, you have to give them nights to work with, and they take the nights you give them to work with, then they make a schedule. So if you, if you give them the nights right, you'll never get caught in a situation like this. You can't do like, I'm sure there's a method to do it, but in the old days, they didn't have the computer, so I'd go to Montreal three times in the summer, and I'd be up on a, on a wall. And I'd say, no, I'm, first of all, I'm having Saturdays, because it was a big draw. We needed draws. You did a great job so on Saturdays. So we had like 13, 14 Saturdays right away. Then I'd have no Mondays, because I don't want to be against Monday night football. Then, then I'd have no back-to-backs. And, you know, what's lost in all of this, we're not talking about, it's selling tickets. Do I want to be at home 10 games in a month when somebody's got to buy tickets? So now it's tough for them to get to 10 games, so now they've got to move the tickets. Might, might get upset they didn't move the tickets or they're not splitting. You've got to watch those kind of things. And, and so you have, to, you have to work something. And the league understands that if you go to them and say, look, like I would never take four and five nights. And, and when it was back-to-back, I wanted to be the home team on the back-to-back. There are all these things you do. And, and you work it, and you have to work in tandem with the league, but you structure by giving them the dates to can affect the way your schedule is. And think about now, especially, guys, with tickets and yeah. the price of tickets. Yeah. You know, but back, in, uh, back in the day, the North Star t- uh, tickets weren't cheap, but nothing compared to this no. now. So if you're trying to split packages with your buddies yeah. or something, and you're right, Louie, now you got to come to them and say, Okay, there's basically no games through December at the X, yeah. but in February it's yeah. going to be crazy. So you're exactly right. I guess, too, with the road-heavy schedule and with how the Wild have played these last two weeks, now that they're going to be at home for, I would, I would reckon, about two-thirds of the remaining of their schedule here, I mean, looking back on it, it actually wasn't that detrimental when you, when you think about it because they were able to win so many road games, and now hopefully they can take care of business at home. Well... It was that detrimental because you're still facing a situation that you don't realize can, can be in effect. When you're at home too much, 
you're you're getting caught up in what's going on with the family, the kids' games, other stuff. Yep. You're not around your teammates. Your focus isn't as sharp on the games as when you're on the road. All you think about on the road is that game that day. Mm-hmm. Now, if, you, if you're coming in and out, yeah, you're going to focus. But when you're sitting at home for two weeks and all you got is home games, if you think you're thinking about the game like you do on the road, you're not. Mm-hmm. So you, you might not be nearly as sharp as you <laughs> thought you're going to be. So it's not as big a benefit. Right. And on top of that, we know it's not a benefit for selling tickets because now every second night the fans got to go to a game. Yeah, it's a problem then. Yes. So you, Business-wise, there's no upside no, to this. No. No, it, it, it's the old uh, Jacques Lemaire, Louis, hated it. And he told stories. In, in, in fact, because when, when the Wild was going through the 2003 playoff run, he put them up at, at, the, at I believe, the St. Paul Hotel. Oh, yeah, I always and had he, my teams in the hotel. And, and he was asked about it, and he said, because if I don't do that, then it's, you know, take out the garbage, do this, wake up in the middle of the night. And he's like, in the playoffs, we can't afford to have guys be worried about taking out the garbage. And that was Jacques' big thing. We never, ever had a game in the playoffs where we stayed at home. I always had the teams in the hotel. As a matter of fact, when we played Calgary in the semifinals, because we had... You know, a lot, of, a lot of Canadian kids and, and family. We stayed in Banff, an hour and ten minute ride to the rink for lunch. I mean, the rink for practice and back home and then back to the game. Because I didn't want anybody bugging the team. They didn't know where we were. We were in a Banff Springs Hotel. Oh, they didn't hotel. know, huh? No, no. <laughs> well, so you couldn't pull the fire alarm? Uh, well, I mean, the kids could pull the fire alarm. <laughs> no, no, I know, but won't no. you? But the, no. that's the story, right? Yeah. That oh, sometimes yeah. the opponent, no, we, we, the home team will find no. out where a team yeah. is staying, go pull the fire alarm in them all night? Yeah. No, we, we never, ever would let people be at home during the playoffs. And that's, so that's what I'm talking about here. You're home two weeks. Uh, yeah, to maintain focus is a challenge. Yeah, it just made no sense to me. No. For them to come to this team, you know, if it's di- different with the Hawks, when, when they, they for years had the circus come into Chicago Stadium, I completely get that. That's a crazy road yeah, trip. Hold that you you're, talking, you're talking four games. Right, but this we is. We had the circus when I played. And so we, in, in fact, when I bought my place in Florida, it's because we were in Atlanta on a Wednesday and yeah. Pittsburgh on a Saturday, and everybody go to the bar on Thursday. I had friends in Florida in, uh, down in Palm Beach just come on down. And I went down there, and I bought a place that day and went back, and I was back by curfew. Wait, hold on. I mean, whoa, 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 what? We, yeah. So you were so you went down to Florida during the course of a trip and bought it? Yeah, because <laughs> I, had, I had mentors from here that oh. said, when you go play in Atlanta, call us. We're in Palm Beach. We'll come up to the game. So Tuesday I called him. I said, how many tickets do you need? Oh, Louie, it's really nice down here. Can't you come down here? I said, I'm, I'm playing hockey. I'm going to come down there. Well, can't you get away? I said, you know, as a matter of fact, we don't leave for Pittsburgh till Friday. We play there Saturday. We got the circus back in Minneapolis. So I said, everybody goes to the bar after practice on Thursday. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll fly down. I'll have dinner with you. Come back. I flew down. I, I liked what I saw. And I said, Any, anything for sale? He said, yeah. This, you, you, his friend was going through bankruptcy, and a new place was opening, and he had an option. I said, give him a call. I bought the option, had dinner, and came back. What year? My wife. what year is this? 1972, and I've been in Palm Beach ever Wait, since. Wait, so, so you, then you called your wife and said, I bought a place? Yeah. <laughs> she said, what are you talking about? I said, don't worry, you're going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Sure enough, she did. And yeah, it's, she it's did. Been great and we're still there. Um, what, what is your understanding of how close the Wild is to getting the January 1st, 2021 Winter Classic at Target Field? Because there, there are reports that that's probably going to happen now. Yeah, and that's why you, you know it's going to happen, because it's been leaked so much, and and Craig's been a very integral part of the NHL executive board, and he's good friends with Bettman and 
and Bettman knows that Craig has wanted this since he bought the team, and and even though we had an outdoor game, it wasn't a January first game. Correct. So I think that uh, the way things are going right now, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, he's going to get it. And would you would you prefer? I know it's rumored Chicago would be possible the opponent. Do you One think it, opponents, do you think yeah. it'd be any beneficial to have a St. Louis or a Winnipeg? Or, or mm. if you're just hosting, obviously it's going to be a grand spectacle. Well, I think uh, uh, I really think it should be St. Louis, and the reason why I said that because uh, St. Louis was always the first rival of Minnesota, and they are a rival now, and they are the Stanley Cup champions, and they do have a lot of star players. And they will have uh, Tarasenko back, and well, they'll have Kaprasov here. I mean, there's just a lot of storylines that nobody's thinking about. That I, I, I would go for St. Louis. And plus, Louis, no offense, but St. Louis got it this year, I think. So they probably won't go. No, back it's Dallas back. this year in, in against okay, against right. Nashville, right? Correct. Right. Well, no then, offense, then Louis. Should. But I'm also just tired of Chicago. Yeah, right. I'm just they played in enough of those games, and and you know what? If this was the old days, and it was Secord against Plett and all that, it'd be great. And the Blackhawks, they're a fine team, but I'm with you. St. Louis is more St. Louis to me would be much more historical in some ways and more fun. You know what people don't think about right now? There's one star in Chicago, and that's Kane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave's a great player. Slow down. Keith's a great player. Slow down. And those are Hall of Fame players, but they're not what they were. Now, you go to St. Louis, and you got, like I said, more star players, starting with uh, Tarasenko there, and and uh, Peter Angelo, and they were Stanley Cup champions last year. So I just think that, and and our first really big rival, the first three years we always played St. Louis in the playoffs. First four years, they went to the Cup, right? Yeah, because they advanced through the three expansion years. division. And the year that they changed it, yep, we won, and we had to go play Montreal before the Cup. Okay. Um, Kaprasov, it, it sounds like it's almost certain he's coming. How good do you think he's going to be right off the bat here? I think he's going to be real good. He's uh, a gifted player that could score goals and skate. He's he's not tall. He's probably 5'10", but he probably weighs about 2'5", 2'10". Oh, so he's solid. Yeah, he's solid. He's gifted. He's going to be he's going to be tremendous. And I know there's been talks too of possibly bringing in maybe another Russian player, even one of his teammates in the KHL. Would that would that help with the transition having a familiar face for Kirill, or is he just a professional hockey player and, and he knows that if he comes to the NHL, there's obviously not going to be as many of, of many as many Russians on, on the bench with him. It only helps if the other guy can play, right? And if he can't play, it doesn't help. And believe me, they assimilate very quickly. And he's been playing with a lot of guys. Even on his team, I'm sure there's some Americans on there yeah. in the KHL. So he, I'm sure he's picked up some language. Taylor Hall. He, it sounds like he is definitely going to be traded by the Devils. Where do you think he ends up now? Because that's going to be at a pretty penny when he's dealt. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's a good question. I think if people are, are smart, they wouldn't overpay. One of the places that he could end up, Believe it or not, mm-hmm. if he would be willing to take less, he could go back to Edmonton. Yeah. We, we, but, we've been talking about that, too. But I uh, I think that uh, a guy like that, you got to be very careful. Because as he's getting older and and he has already had, you know, he's reached his pinnacle. He's been the most valuable player in the league. He's He's got to be put in a situation to succeed so guys that he can play with are, are good enough. And essentially, you know, he does that when, when he is the, the key guy in the club. So if he's a key guy in the club, 
that means he's going to a team that's not going to win the Stanley Cup because they better have other key guys already there, like a McDavid, like a uh, Kucherov, you know, if I, I go around. So it's, uh, I think it's going to be surprising to see where he goes, that the price is not going to be as it was in the past. Yep. And the money's probably not going to be as people expect it to be. And if I'm the Avs, I don't think I'm going to give up one of my really good young defensemen for him because, one, I'm already pretty good, and two, to your point, he's aging to a certain degree, and you've got to, obviously, if you want to keep him, send him to a big new contract. So I think you're probably right. I, I think the expectation of price might not be met when the actual trade is made. Well, let me put it this way. If I was the Avs, I think I'd rather deal for Brodeen than I would for Taylor Hall. Because they got so much firepower up front right now. Yep. And you don't have to give as much up, although it's going to be a lot, to get a Brodeen as you would to get a Hall. So I think what you said, Judd, hits the nail on the head. I think the Avs need that one more defenseman more than they need one more scoring wing. What's your sense on, on that when it comes to the Wild and Bill Guerin? Do you think that they... what What's it going to take in your mind for them to make a substantial move? Or do, do you think if they're hovering around that 8-8 eight, eight spot in, in the playoffs, they don't make that move, Lou? There's no way they make the move. I don't care what spot they're in. They don't make a move? No. They cannot... Well, not to give up a first or second run or a young player that oh, you no, like. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm saying just a trade period of of like a Zucker or oh, oh a, they'll oh, make that move. Sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. I, I didn't mean Hall. Oh, Hall, you're not. Yeah, no, yeah. no. 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 They, they. But I'm just saying a, a substantial move that might actually bail them backwards out, out of a playoff spot, but benefit them for 2020, 21, and beyond. I think there's a good chance that I, I don't. Uh, let me put it this way: I don't think that the move is going to back them out of a playoff spot. By that time, where you are, then you can pretty well judge. Sure. And, you know, when you look at it, it's amazing because I used to do this for a long, long time. You can't believe how tough it is to make up five points in a month. You just don't do it. So when a trading deadline comes at the end of February, you got a month left. You pretty well, you know, 95% of the times who's going to be in who's not going to be in. So I, I don't think that uh, uh, there's any doubt that. The Wild, if they have something of value that they can move at that time, and not a Brodeen, by the way. Right. But some other names that they probably make a move. Yeah, they'll make a move. Jason Zucker's having having a terrific year. He's getting the bounces back again. Is is it just, it it seems last year, and even there's been moments too this year where on the breakaway he just couldn't cash in. Is is he just getting more puck luck, and, and and is that the biggest reason why he's been able to put more pucks in the net? No, the biggest reason why is because he's always been a scorer. You expect scorers to score. Mm-hmm. And they'll have some downtimes, and they might even have some streaks where they don't score. But scorers score, and guys that don't score don't score. You could have an aberration, mm-hmm. and so you've never been a scorer, and then you get 20 goals, and then you better trade him because he ain't scoring again. <laughs> but Zucker scores, and he had an aberration because he didn't score as much, so he's back scoring. Zucker's a natural goal scorer, and he will score. That's, that goal is what? Rusher... Crusher, Usher, right? That's it. When, when you're <laughs> when a guy you who suddenly scores 25 goals? No, when you're a tough guy comes in the league yep. as a crusher and you score two goals, you want to be a rusher, and next thing you know, you're an usher. 
Last thing, Louis. Um, Bill, uh, Bill Peters, the coach of Calgary, gets let go because of his treatment of players, which you know clearly is reprehensible. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. Jim Montgomery of Dallas just got let go. We don't know exactly why, but it, it is, uh, quote, uh, co- basically conduct unbecoming. Uh, Mark Crawford, longtime coach, assistant in Chicago, is put on a leave. This all sort of started to roll, Lou, with the uh, firing of Mike Babcock in Toronto. What's your sort of take on this um, sudden accountability, which, and I'm not excusing these coaches, but it's, but it's a very interesting and it seems a sudden type of deal. Well, it's culture change. It's society. That's, that's the way, you know, we've had a lot of different movements. Of, things have, uh, are done differently now than they were in the past. In the past, uh, you, you never get fired for that. I mean, uh, there, there was a lot of coaches hit guys, and uh, I got hit. I mean, you know, that was some of the things you just expected, and it was no big deal. And, and uh, uh, this went on for a long time, and so some of the older coaches or guys that have been around for a while have been through that themselves, so they just thought it was an accepted practice, which it isn't today. And so when they did it and didn't realize the severity of it, right. and they got called on it, they lose their jobs or, or get put on leaves or whatever. But uh, it, it, things have changed. I mean, everything changes. Players change. Abilities change. It's bigger, stronger, faster, lighter equipment, charter flights, uh, meals all the time. Well, I mean, everything's changed. So uh, the way you, you got video, the way you um, are trained, the, the, the techniques they put you through, there's not a thing that's the same, sure. and, and that goes for coaching. And so the way you handle people is much different in this day and age than the way you could in the 50s, 60s, or 70s. And, and that it's not that it makes the guy a bad person now. It's just they weren't aware of it, and it's just what was accepted practice before is not today. And this puts the onus, too, on the GMs and the teams especially to have to vet things that they probably never thought of in the past. Exactly. That, that's why I tell my grandkids, I say, I always remember whatever you put on Twitter, an employer one day can go back and look at it. So you're accountable every day for your actions. And, and some things that think smart or funny or yeah, off right. the charts uh, can come back to haunt you. And that's what's happened in some of these cases. And 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 I, you know I I'm not gonna badmouth the coaches for it because that was the means and methods for them before, but it's not today. So uh, the you can accept the reason why there changes, but you can also accept the reason why guys acted differently than than they do now. Thank you, sir. Great Thank stuff. Thanks, nice to be with Judd's you. Thank hockey you. show from uh, Tavern Twenty Three. Check it out in Edina. We'll talk to you later.